begin recording. Recording in progress. <coughs> but nonetheless, uh, welcome everybody. Um, I'm glad to be meeting with you all again uh, this week. Um, I'm not sure what has been going on throughout the course of, of your week. <clears throat> I hope nothing too bad. Um, but in any case, um, it is it is the case that we have trials and we have uh, things that we stand trial for, right? And what's the thing that we stand trial for? We stand trial with our faith. And um, it is the Christian walk. It is the Christian life. Is The testing of our faith is inevitable. You can't avoid um, your faith being tested. And so whether that was through a big trial or whether that was through a smaller one, whether that involved stress or involved a potential of fear or anxiety or um, a temptation to sin or do things the unrighteous way, to lie and cut corners, uh, if, if whatever it was, your, your faith was standing trial. How many of you know that? Sometimes um, we fall into sin because of unbelief. We fall into sin because of doubt. And it all roots back to the fact that you don't believe God is able to do what he says he will do. And you don't believe that God is who he says he is. <clears throat> and you may partially believe it. However, when you, we think about the nature of doubt, um, when we think about the word doubt, the word uh, is the prefix in the word doubt um, is the word or well, is the letters D-O-U, right? We spell doubt D-O-U-B-T. But the prefix is the same prefix in the word double. What does double mean? It means two. So when you're met with doubt, you are met with a double mind. And you are torn between what the mind of the spirit says and your natural mind says. Does that make sense? See, I think it's an encouragement because, well, it is an encouragement in this regard, that it's not complete unbelief, right? Um, the reason why I say that is because over here you have the mind of the Spirit and God is telling you one thing. And then you have this report over here that the mind of your mind is feeding you. So y there is a, a hearing of God that you have. You are hearing God, but you're also hearing yourself. Um, and so sometimes people are wondering whether or not they hear God. But if you are doubting, that at least indicates that you know what is right. And you know what the language of faith is. You know what the correct path is. As opposed to some who are so blind, they think the incorrect path is the correct path. Does that make sense? Amen, somebody? Y'all ain't talking to me? Does that make sense? Are we double-minded today? <laughs> it's a bit convicting. Oh, man, I don't I don't want to have a double mind. <clears throat> so, um, 
let us um, let us come to prayer. <coughs> uh, Father, we um, we come before you. We come to the throne of grace boldly, asking, O oh Lord, for your mercy and your grace. Your word says that we can come to the throne of grace boldly, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in, uh, uh, to help in time of need. Father, your word says to the God who answers prayer shall all flesh come. Father, I pray, O oh Lord, that as we come to you, Lord, that we would provide, O oh Lord, the sacrifice of praise. Lord, that we would render to you, Lord, our obedience. Father, I pray that we would not be weighed in the balances and, and be found wanting. I pray, O oh God, that we would not continue, Lord, to remain in um, unrighteous patterns and uh, corrupt ways and corrupt, uh, corrupt and crooked patterns of thinking. Father, would you demolish um, every pattern that is inconsistent with your word, that doesn't come into alignment with your word. Father, would you bring uh, correction and would you as a chiropractor begin to um, align the, the spine that we may have a, uh, a, a fixated back so that we can walk uprightly. God, I ask that you would enable me, Father, to speak forth your word. Father, I pray that you would grant unction to my lips and that you would grant unction, Lord, in my spirit, that I may speak what thus saith the Lord. I pray that I would be able to articulate, Lord, your word clearly and concisely and and that um, the devil will not rob your people of understanding either by distraction or derailment or confusion or fear or anything of the kind. Father, would you invade this gathering? Would you make your presence known? And would, can, would you confirm, O oh Lord, the um, the truth of your word backed by your presence? Father, we desire to know the living God. We desire to not only know the God of uh, the word of God, but the God of the word. So, Father, would you disclose your book? Would you grant us revelation in your book so that we may know the author? Father, enable us to know you, O God, as the author of the of your holy scriptures. For they're useful for correction and teaching and training in righteousness. Lord, would you correct us this day? Would you reprove us this day? Would you train us in righteousness? Father, may we not be lazy and <clears throat> incompetent and backslidden soldiers that refuse to train. Father, grant us, O Lord, a graduation in the school of the Spirit. Father, help us this day, I ask. Cause us to be a vexation to the devil and his demons. Enable us, O Lord, to walk in the light of your truth and to be salt of the earth. And to let go, O Lord, of every corrupt way and pride and arrogance and religiosity that we may be authentic people born of the Spirit and maintaining, O Lord, that, that unity of the Spirit. God, I ask, Father, for the fire of the Holy Ghost to dwell in this midst. May, O oh Lord, the power of another world come upon us. Hallelujah. Lord, help me, for apart from you, we can do no good thing. Help me, Lord. May this group be fruitful. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Amen. <coughs>
Amen. You know, I, I say, I've said it a number of times in the past before, and uh, I want this to serve as a continual reminder um, that if in any case we give ourselves to the pulpit, if we were to ever preach or if we were to ever <clears throat> lead in prayer, <clears throat> my hope is that we wouldn't, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been having to clear my throat a lot lately. I don't know if it's allergies or what, but um, my hope is that we wouldn't be um, half-baked. Um, for those of you that like culinary arts, um, for those of you that like baking and desserts, do you want your birthday cake or do you want any of uh, your favorite desserts to be half-baked? I don't think so. Do you want half of your check? Do you want half of your spouse's heart? Do you want half of your, um, you know, you fill in the blank. Well, uh, hold on. Um, it, it's not a, uh, <clears throat> a powerful thing to have half-baked prayers. What I mean by that is that um, people give half of themselves to praying. They treat it as um, as if they're talking to a human being. We have to remind ourselves that we're talking to the living God. We're talking to the only immortal king, the only wise God who has dominion and might and majesty and power. That is who we are speaking to. If those in the world recognize, those in the occult recognize that they cannot come to the devil any way they want, why do we think that we can come to the living God any way we want? Does that make sense? Or how about this, that you can come into a fellowship any way you want thinking any way you want, uh, expecting whatever you want. <clears throat> I can't tell you how many people are so out of touch with God that they will come to a, a, a God-ordained meeting and, and have a selfish, fleshly outlook, disposition, expectation, they better sing this song. They better do this. They better. And, and it's all about self-absorption. Or how about, you know, uh, it's so the, the point that I'm making is coming back to the idea of, of really giving all of our heart to prayer, giving our, all of our heart to worship, giving all of our heart to praise. That's what we want. We want to be men and women of weight. We want to weigh something in, in, in the, um, the balance scales of the spirit. We don't want to be light men and light women. Amen? What do I mean by that? Is, is, is when, when God holds you up, are you, are you light as a feather or do you have some gravity? And some concrete to you as a man or woman of God. 
I, I don't take a lot of people in the church seriously because the devil don't take them seriously. They, they, much, they much less take themselves seriously. Or maybe they take themselves too seriously. But nonetheless, <clears throat> um, I, I say that as a, as a way of, of a continual instruction. I want us to be a people of weight. I want us to be a people of, you know, um, I, I absolutely resent and I despise this nonchalant, lackadaisical, you know, comical sort of way of addressing God. I, I resent it. I, I, I think you should not address God at all if you're going to address him that way. Amen. Like, oh God, we just we just want to thank you today. We're so thankful that like you're our friend. Like, man, yo, like amen. I know that some people might find that offensive. And I'm not saying that you don't have to be an outgoing person in your personality. But recognize who you, who we speak to. Amen. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. <laughs> Thank you, sister. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> I just have to keep filling the air just in case no one's offended. But drop the offense and pick, the, pick up the blessing. Okay, so I, I want us to turn to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Um, this is a very beautiful psalm. Very encouraging. <clears throat> if you guys have it, say amen. Um, we're going to read all the way through, so... Um, if you guys don't have your Bible, I would encourage you to get it. And I will say this as a, as a way of reminder, um, only because I, I know that there, there's a continual existing temptation. Um, but be advised, avoid, avoid any sort of social media interaction. Okay. You can text later, you can get on uh, Facebook later, you can get on Instagram later, you can get on all that stuff later, and I, I have to continue to charge us with this. <clears throat> if I get disrespected, if you're going to get on social media, if I'm speaking to you as a person, like in person, and you, you're like, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, and okay, if you, if, and if you get disrespected, don't disrespect God. Amen. Because this ain't your time. This is this ain't Brother Greg's time. So rid yourself of narcissism. It ain't about you. It's not about me. It's about him. 
And the reason why we continue, this is what we're doing here is what's commanded in the scriptures. Paul says to Timothy, give public attention to the reading of scripture. Okay. And let me just, let me just say this. Um, that's pure obedience. And we want obedience to the word of God. We want to obey the Lord. We, we, we come under the preaching of the word, not because we can get our ears tickled. But we want to be conformed to his image. You know why public preaching is so important? Because even, even in addition to your reading of the scriptures by yourself is because you will be selective on what you want to read in the Bible. And you're only going to go to the passages more often than not that only confirm what you want to believe. And you won't go to the passages that will tell you stuff you don't want to hear. Amen? Amen. And so the reason why preaching is so important is because you're going to be told things from the scriptures that you may not want to give attention to naturally. Because why? Because people are filled with pride. They're filled with arrogance. They're filled with self-preservation. They're filled with insecurity. We don't want to be told we're bad. Malachi posted something recently from some lady named Jackie Hill Perry. She's a sister and she was talking about how her husband was addressing their daughter. And they're like, yo, honey, you're doing this wrong. And I forgot all that that she responded back, but basically, uh, the 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 point that Jackie Hill Perry was getting at was to say that we don't want to be told we're bad. And and but uh, but her point though was this: What if you are? What if you are bad? Do you want to continue being incorrect, or do you want to be corrected? See. That's the problem we have. We want to be correct in what we do, but we don't want to be corrected. And if we do, if we do correct, we want to do self-correction. Right? But it don't work that way. Now, to be fair, there are times that people are wiser than the average and they do correct themselves. Like, oh dang, no, no, that was the wrong way. I'm not going to go that way. I don't, I don't want to learn from my own mistakes. I want to learn from the mistakes of others. So I'm going to look at other people and I'm going to see how they fail. And I'm not going to do that. I, I tend to do that. I tend to be hyper vigilant. I, I observe people like a hawk and I look at everything they do. Not, not in a creepy way. But so I can self-reflect so I don't fall and do what they did. So if a pastor said that has been 20 years more than me, he did X, Y, and Z, and he messed up, I will say, I'm not going to do that. Amen. I love the ways of righteousness and life too much to play with the path of death. I'm good. Amen. So, um, Psalm 103, it says, Praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. So let's stop there. We're going to go verse by verse. (coughs) Look at the command here. 
to praise the Lord. See, if we're not careful, we can just gloss over these um, statements in the scriptures without fully drawing from them the full impact and thrust of what God intends to communicate to us. See, when we're looking at the passages, we want to ask a number of questions. Number one, who wrote it? Number two, who are they writing to? We want to ask, is it in the present tense, the past tense, future tense? We want to ask, is it a continual? Is it a verb? Is it an adverb? And so sometimes, you know, someone said, all I need to know is the Bible. And I said, that's not true. How dare you say that? You know, is the scriptures not sufficient? And I said, you know, if I can be honest, not entirely. What do you mean? Well, how would you even read the scriptures if you didn't know English? If you didn't know grammar? You're just assuming, you're just taking for a granted that your reading of the, like, you're not even considering the fact that you know a language and a secular school taught you how to read. Amen, somebody? I know that messes with our, 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 our pseudo spirituality. We, Amen. you know, but here the, the thing is, reading is a blessing from God. Even Jesus says, you know, have you not read in the scriptures? Right. So reading is not something we popped out of the womb and said, "Oh man, I know how to read." <laughs> if if some of y'all did, I mean, let me know because that that's pretty amazing. But. That's probably like in the point zero 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 one percentile if that did happen, because miracles are always po uh, are possible. But nonetheless, if you're like everybody else, you are taught to read. Now the scriptures are sufficient for life and godliness, but there are other things that we need to know, and one of those things are grammar, critical thinking skills. I mean, people treat the Bible like it's a magic book, like it's some secret formula, like they go like this, oh, God, speak to me, and they just, oh, landed right here, okay, and it, it, I'm not saying God can't do that, <laughs> the ones that laughed, you're guilty, right, <laughs> and some of you uh, who didn't laugh, you're proud and guilty, <laughs> I'm just messing, <laughs> Don't worry, I've done that too. But that's cool when you're just saved. But don't keep doing that. Because the way that God speaks to us isn't just by, uh, you know, uh, pulling the lever of the slot machine hoping to get a word. Amen. Like, <laughs> and you just seen the thing spin. And then if it don't work, you just hit the slot machine again and you just skip around. <laughs> <laughs> no, you want to understand context and what was the purpose for why they wrote this? What's the logical flow of thought? And But anyways, <coughs> right here it's a command. In, in English or, or different, I mean, whatever language you're taught and just you know, language, period, we're taught 
There are four different statements, imperative statements, interrogative statements, declarative statements, right? And, and this is an imperative statement. And then there's exclamatory statements too. But this is an imperative statement to say, uh, do this. This isn't a recommendation. It isn't a suggestion. It is what it is. And so what God is telling us is to praise the Lord. To not praise uh, the devil. To not praise Cardi B. To not praise <clears throat> um, the latest fashion uh you know, to not praise, um, what's her, Jezebel's name, Kim Kardashian, to, not, to, to praise the Lord, to praise Him. Now, and, and, and so the, the, it's a command, and what is David doing, though? He's speaking to himself. It is a command inspired by the Holy Spirit, but through the mouth of David, David spoke to himself, Okay? And he says, "Praise the Lord, my soul." And so, what is that suggestive of? The what is that suggestive of? He didn't say, "Praise the Lord, my flesh." Amen. See, your flesh doesn't want to praise the Lord. Your flesh is in uh, hostility towards the things of God, and you gotta speak to your soul to say, "You know what? Rise above the flesh and begin to praise the Lord." Amen. See, sometimes there's going to be those times where you don't want to. You don't want to pray. You don't want to read. You don't want to obey. You don't want to sacrifice. And you got to speak to yourself and say, No, praise the Lord. I'm suffering. Praise the Lord. I just lost this. Praise the Lord. Because there is no neutral ground. You cannot... Uh, obey the devil and praise the Lord. You cannot complain or blaspheme God and praise Him. So when we're met with trials and we're met with tribulations and the devil wants to grab that as mud and throw it in your face and say, look it, where is your God? Like he said in Psalm 42, he says, uh, uh, they, they, you know, why art thou cast down on my soul? Why are you so disquieted in me? He says, they say there is no hope for me in, in, in God. And that's what the devil does. He, 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 he throws mud at you. And, and the mud he grabs is, is the dirt you're standing on in, in order for you to lose ground. And he says, God ain't going to do it. God ain't going to see you through. God ain't all powerful. God don't love you. God ain't for you. And before you know it, that begins to sink you down in dejection, sink you down, in depression, sink you down, in doubt, in unbelief, and you therefore can't praise the Lord now. Right? Because, because you're believing all the lies and the, the, the insults that the devil is making about the God in whom your trust belongs. Amen. So, but nonetheless, he says, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. So in other words, this praising business has to be done with a, an impartial heart. That is to say, you cannot have a half heart. Just like we were talking about earlier, don't be half baked. Don't be half cooked. Right? 
I I don't want any half baked chicken. <laughs> any half cooked chicken. Amen. You're gonna get sick. Uh, uh, uh something that uh, you only going halfway in the race don't do you any good. You almost staying pure ain't purity. You almost not falling into fornication ain't you living in righteousness. I don't know if you've ever been told by your parents, but almost ain't good enough. Amen. Amen. So, don't almost give it your all. Give all your inmost being to his holy name and command your inmost being to praise him. Now, um, now the, the second clause here says praise his holy name. Uh, first of all, I think we should define what praise even means. That means to bless, to speak well of, to, to recognize and to declare the fame of God. You know God is famous? You know how all, the, all these uh, uh, sheeps, these sheeples, they go to uh, you know these concerts and they fall headlong into stampeding. Just you know, they'll literally stampede to concerts and crush each other and do all this nonsense to see a person first of all whose music is trash because virtually all the junk today is all auto tune. They ain't got talent. And number two, who don't even care about them. Amen. I just seen an Instagram reel the other day. <laughs> Yesterday. There is a goat that, or yeah, I think it was a goat that, uh, you know, did a high-pitched voice, uh, a high-pitched sound that they that they make. Um, <clears throat> sounded similar to a, like a ba that a sheep does, but not entirely. And and so, someone said uh, these are the artists today, and they threw a little auto tune on the goat. And <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to. I always have to get a little injection in to insult the trash of our day. I'm not saying don't use auto tune. I'm just saying that. When it comes to a lot of people of the world today, you know, um, there, there's just a loss of talent. I mean, there's a loss of beauty. There is. There, there's a loss of beauty. They're trying to glamorize ugly. And just for those of you that don't believe that ugly exists, ugly do exist. Aesthetically. Right? And I don't I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it just is what it is. Okay? <clears throat> this world is flipping everything upside down. And we got to turn it right side up. Amen. <clears throat> but praise His holy name. His name is holy. His name is in a category all by itself. Right? And verse 2, it says, Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all of His benefits. So you know where the strength of your praise will come from the degree and the quality of your praise will come from remembering his benefits do you see that so 
Verse 2 again. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. There are benefits to serving God. And unfortunately today we have a lot of, of ministers, a lot of preachers, a lot of YouTube prophets ordained by Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> I'm sorry. They're, they've been ordained by Mark Zuckerberg and they, 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 uh, they present God as if there's no benefits. <clears throat> they present serving God as if there's no benefits to, to obeying His commands. As if everything in your life is going to become worse. As if you should, you should suffer, you should live a miserable life. You should be poor. You should, uh, you know, be famished and always look disheveled and as if you have no life. Well, at least that's the impression I get. I don't know if you ever get that impression, but I certainly do. And what's interesting to me is, number one, it's not true. And number two is that they don't live out the same thing they're preaching. It always tends to be the people that preach out against prosperity who are the very ones who are benefiting from it. Like John MacArthur. The guy has like um, a $5 million home or something. He always rants against prosperity. I'm like scratching my head like, yo, why, do you, why are you benefiting then? Y'all can say amen. If, if you got food, if you got clothes, if you got housing... If, if you got what you need, that's prosperity. Amen. For some of you, that you used to live a life that and you didn't benefit from those things. I know I didn't. I remember drugs destroyed my life. And there were times I didn't eat. There were times I kept wearing the same clothes. There were times that I didn't stay at a place. I stayed on the streets. And it just ruined my life. And that is a life lacking in prosperity. Amen. <clears throat> but there are benefits to serving God. But guess what? You got to do it his way and not your way. Amen. See, a lot of people, they want the benefits without the commitment. Y'all can say amen to that one. A lot of people, they want, they want, they want benefits without commitment. Amen. It's like, um, let's see, what's a good example? Yeah, Christian, Christianity with no sweat. Christianity with no labor. How, how do you expect to have the benefits of a marriage and great family if you're a fornicator, if you're a cheater? Amen. And and you know maybe I you know I can speak for myself in terms of this next example. How do you expect to have a the benefit of good health or being in shape if you don't eat what you're supposed to eat? Right? Now thankfully I corrected myself on this one. And I've been doing a lot of intermittent fasting. That means I fast for 16 hours every day and only eat once. And I'll get 
some proteins in mainly just drink water stay away from sugars now and I feel a whole lot more energetic but <clears throat> the point the point that I'm trying to make is you know it's like uh you know it's kind of like some people they'll slap like uh like the buff guys on their on their on their refrigerators the people they want to look like but they don't change anything in the fridge it's like that image can stay there all you want and you can imagine that but it won't become actualized until you get some commitment amen amen or they want the benefits from God but they won't pray So, <clears throat> if we want the benefits of the Lord, we got to be committed. We got to obey. We got to sacrifice. Okay, so, but here's a command that is suggestive of the fact that you can forget his benefits. Y'all know that? You can forget? See, this is kind of why, again, daily reading of the scriptures is important. This is why daily prayer is important. This is why corporate prayer and corporate gatherings like this is important. It's all important because you will be reminded of the fact of the Lord's benefits. See, it, it boggles my mind how so often people don't read the scriptures, they don't pray, they don't sacrifice, they don't come to corporate prayer, they, they don't come to these meetings or they, they're just like whatever about reading they're they're, they're without uh, ever about it all and then they wonder why they're depressed why the relationship with god ain't going how they expect it to go because you are not doing these bare minimum you're not doing the basics how do you expect to be mindful of all that he has for you if you don't do what he commands you to do is it any wonder why you're always doubtful? Is it any wonder why you're always depressed? Is it any wonder why? See, these books, these, these notebooks, paper, manuscripts, scrolls, are all a, a, an acknowledgement from us. It's an admission that the human mind is finite. And it's susceptible to error. It is susceptible to forgetfulness. Therefore, we must record what our minds cannot permanently retain. It's a leaking pot. Amen. I just started working at the school and there's a number of students. And I know that I'm exceptionally forgetful more than the average um, and so I was told some advice somewhere that, um, you have to say the person's name three times in order to, for it to stick. So I'll say, what's your name? They'll say, you know, my name is so-and-so. Okay. Uh, just say, for example, John. Hi, John. John, John, John. Your name is John. <laughs> So, you know, because it can come off disrespectful if you don't remember people's names. 
And I will also preface by the fact that, hey, if in the event I forget your name, please forgive me. I'm new. I'm trying to remember everybody. So be patient with me. But nonetheless, the point that I'm making is that we forget. <clears throat> and we forget the Lord's benefits. Don't we? The Lord just delivered you last week and you're already like, you know, in, in the boat shaking, wondering if you should step out of the water. Amen. He already fed you in the 5,000 and you're wondering if he could do it with the 4,000. See, one of the things I've learned over the years is that God has a consistent track record. He has a perfect resume. And he don't got to edit anything for himself to look good. You know how God is like never shaky up there in heaven uh, when it comes to people that are like, you know, if God don't do X, Y, and Z, then I won't believe he exists. And God don't do it. Because <laughs> he's not going to try to look good on your terms. Hallelujah. Amen. So it says, okay, here are some of the benefits now. Verse 3, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. He forgives all of your sins. Does it say he forgives some of them? No, it says he forgives them all. But what does the devil do? He brings up your past and says, God didn't forgive you of that. You got to do penance. You got to crawl on glass. You got to whip your back. You got to read one more chapter. As if, the, as if there's a verse in the Bible that says, unless thou readest one more chapter, if thou art not forgiven. <laughs> it doesn't say, Read one more chapter and thou shalt be forgiven. It says, confess your sins and you shall be forgiven. Amen. I was saying, um, it's not as if the scriptures has a verse that says, unless you read one more chapter, thou shalt not be forgiven. Um, and, and, and that's the sort of irrational thinking we fall into. When we believe the flesh, we believe self-condemnation, we believe the devil, <coughs> right? You know, some people say, they wonder, they ask, how in the world can um, people genuinely come to believe that they're a female when they're a male? Or they believe they're a male when they're a born female? And my answer is simple, is that the devil's deception is much more powerful than logic. Amen. Do you know that here in America, I mean, I heard some time back they were trying to make the point that mathematics is the result of racism. I'm like, abstract numbers. Racism. What relationship is there? It's irrationality. It makes no sense. So, but notice though, our doubt makes not much sense to God. You know why? Because it's inconsistent with God's logic. 
It's inconsistent. It is going against biblical logic. So, it's very simple. If we repent and we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus is more than sufficient to cleanse you from all of your iniquities. So therefore, forget not all of the Lord's benefits. See, you know, see, you know why some people are so slothful in their walk with God? Why they're lacking in zeal? Why they're lacking in fervor? Is because they're beginning to forget all that they're all uh, all that God has done for them. In fact, I want us to keep our thumb there in Psalm 103. I want to ask that we turn to 2 Peter. If you have your Bibles, do turn there. Um, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. Oh, actually... um. Second Peter chapter one verse four through nine. Chapter four, excuse me. Chapter one, verse four through verse nine. And it says this: Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises. So the benefits of the Lord are the promises of God. So every promise of God is a benefit to the body of Christ. So he has given us what? These very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, or brotherly kindness, um, and to mutual affection, love. Now notice this, verse 8, for if you possess these qualities, what qualities? All those virtues just listed, knowledge, temperance, brotherly kindness, love, perseverance, so forth if you have those they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus our Lord Jesus Christ so you want to avoid a lack of productivity in Christ you must add to your faith virtue virtue knowledge knowledge temperance temperance godliness godliness brotherly kindness brotherly kindness love Right? And then what does it say? But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Amen. So when I began to see people slide off, are losing their fervor, losing the zeal, Losing the passion they've had for Christ, losing the commitment, losing it. It's because I realize 
I, 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 I know that they're beginning to forget all the Lord's benefits with his forgive, the forgiveness of sins included. You no longer relish in the fact that Jesus Christ saved you from hell and that the penalty of death no longer resides on you. The wrath of God is no longer on you. And you, you begin to fall into an entitlement mindset. You begin to fall into pride. You begin to fall into presumption. You begin to fall in all of this mess. Why? Because you're forgetting the Lord's benefits. And you're beginning to think that the benefits of the world are greater than what the Lord offers to you. Amen. So don't forget all of the Lord's benefits. It's a command. So what do you have to do? Put yourself into remembrance. You know, that's what Paul also told Timothy. <clears throat> he said, I put you into remembrance. Stir up the gift of God that is in you. Fan into flame. The fire is going to grow, uh, grow dim if you don't constantly apply oxygen to the fire. And the oxygen won't come until you begin to put forth a labor. So you might have to labor when you're, uh, or you're tired. You might have to labor when you're hungry. You might have to labor when you're lonely. When you ain't got all that you want. Are you still going to labor in the Lord? Or are you going to drift off? And forget all that he's done for you. Amen. Because if you don't praise him. As Jesus said the rocks will cry out. And worse than the rocks crying out. Is that you in return, begin to praise your problems. Praise the devil. Praise the flesh. Because our lips have been created to praise and to worship. Amen. If you're not praising the Lord Jesus, you're praising mammon. You're praising money. It's so deceitful. Now I was listening, and you know, uh, you might you might be wondering how, how might I be praising money? You don't give. You're stingy when it comes to money. You know, people always say, "Oh, pastors are just after money. Ministers are at the the church. This the ch man, shut up. You don't say that about the government who taxes you." You don't say that to Joe Biden. You don't say that to your prime minister. You don't say that about social security and, and how the government takes care of the elderly. Man, the government takes care of the elderly more than the church does. Amen. Amen. And by the way, I just want to add as a parenthesis, not all elderly are enlisted to be taken care of by the church. They said they must have washed the saints' feet. They must be given to good works. They must have been hospitable. And they have to be above a certain age. Because some people also want to freeload off of the church. You get that freeloading elsewhere. That's a sin. Ain't no freeloading around here. Amen. So, but not, I just, I wanted to say everything is fair balanced in Christ. 
Okay, but the point that I'm making is, <coughs> I was listening to something Jordan Peterson said. Uh, it was it, I, I love listening to him. He's, he's a very insightful, and they, they said, uh, the question was, how can I be a better me, a better self? And uh, he talked about pursuing relationships and stuff like that, and um, and he was talking about uh, um, oh boy, I forgot exactly how he put it, but he he ended up talking about addictions and um, how you know things are beginning to ruin you, and he was talking about how um, that when you do something. Whatever it is, after you've done it, you regret it. So if money is a problem, you keep buying something, do you ever regret that you purchased something? That's an indication that money is a problem for you. Oh, it got quiet. You say, why did I buy that? I needed the money for this. And it's, and you know, people make mistakes, but especially if it's habitual, it might be that money is your God. And he gave some other lists in there as well. Um, I can't recall all of them at the moment. Oh, he was also ta- he was talking about. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm not even going to try to speak on it because I, I don't I don't remember entirely. I don't want to misrepresent what he said. Um, but that much I do remember. And so that also applies to anything else. It applies to time. It applies to your relationships. If you, if there's anything that you're wondering is an abuse of something that is permissible, and the actions that you are giving yourself to leads you to regret, then it's become that thing that is good has become a vice to you. Has become a snare. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so it says, uh, "Who forgives all of your sins and heals all your diseases?" And then here's the second benefit. Well, the third benefit, because healing of diseases and forgiveness of sins are two different benefits. But verse four: Who redeems your life from the pit? And crowns you with love and compassion. So the Lord is into the redeeming business. Amen. The Bible says he has no delight for our soul to go to the grave. As David says, if if I go down to the grave, who, you know, he says, how can I praise you? Amen. And so the Lord takes no delight in the death of people. And... He is the God of life. He's the God of the living. He's not the God of the dead. Amen. Therefore, God wishes and seeks to redeem the lives of people lest they fall to death. So the Lord has redeemed our life. He had put forth a deposit, a costly deposit that was the death of His Son so that your life can become redeemed. Amen. Amen. 
He redeems it from a pit. Y'all remember when you were in that pit, whatever it was, whether it was promiscuity, whether it was a drug addiction, whether it was a, a prison, whether it was jail or whatever it was, it was a pit. It, it may have been a pit you created for yourself. But the Lord redeems us and pulls us out of the pit. And you know what? He just doesn't do it once. Unfortunately and sadly, there are many saints who have fallen into a pit, whether intentionally or unintentionally, and the Lord sends forth his outstretched arm to draw you up out of the pit again. Amen. There is this uh, Facebook reel, I've, I've <laughs> referenced it on a number of occasions, but it was a sheep who was stuck in that little uh, what, what would you call it? little space in the dirt and the guy pulls him out then he hops twice and he gets stuck <laughs> he gets stuck again don't be that L learn from learn from your sins and learn from your mistakes <clears throat> Amen. don't keep repeat don't don't go on a treadmill treadmills are not fun right because you get nowhere yeah. you don't want to be wandering around in the desert for 40 years some people are wondering why they haven't gone to the next season they haven't gone to the next level they haven't gone to the next whatever and it's because your character can't keep you where God wants to take you Amen wow. Amen Amen See your gift can take you your skills can take you your knowledge can take you It isn't that your skills or your giftings or what you can contribute is lacking in value, but your character is lacking in quality. And so to give value from a character that is lacking in quality will be a subtraction to your life, even though it may benefit the lives of others. Because if you're a corrupt businessman, you can still impart value to others and they may well receive the value. But somewhere down the line, because of your character, you're going to cut a corner and it's going to forfeit the whole business. Amen. It says he crowns you with love and compassion. Isn't that amazing? You know, it's really annoying, as I've said before, how so often they present this view of God that you know, Jesus was rags and, you know, all this other stuff. And they, they somehow lose sight of the fact that Abraham was wealthy, David was wealthy, Solomon was wealthy, right? And I'm not, I'm not, see, you have to be careful. Because on the one hand, there's people that are self-righteous and they just want the snapshots of poverty in the scriptures, right? They, they love taking those snapshots and then using it and then putting on the, the big screen is saying this is Christianity. <laughs> and then people who love money, like Kenneth, well, no, let me take that back. I'm not entirely sure if these guys love money. They are wealthy. But let's just say some sort of preacher out there who is in love with money 
they love to take snapshots of some of these passages and say this is the totality of Christianity. And, and they will only select these verses. We have to avoid both extremes. On the one hand, prosperity is for us. On the other hand, right, we love God and He is the our ultimate source of satisfaction. Amen. <clears throat> and by the way, as I've said before, Jesus wasn't homeless. I, you, stop saying that. Stop believing that. When he says the Son of Man has no place to lay, lay his head, he wasn't in his hometown. He traveled from place to place. We, would you expect Jesus to have a house in every town he went to? That just doesn't make logical sense. When you travel to the, you know, a nearby city, do you have a house there? If I said to you in a nearby city, hey, bro, you have, uh, you have a, uh, anywhere I can slay tonight? Nah, bro, I don't. Well, that's what you expect to say, right? But anyways, um, and I know we had a discussion about that in uh, the chat. Um, about th There's this passage there. It, depending on what translation you read, it might say Levi's house or Jesus' house or his house. And the reason why it says that isn't a contradiction is because in the Greek, it doesn't say Levi's house. In the Greek, it doesn't say Jesus' house says his house, and so there's a form of ambiguity in the Greek, right? Anyways, I'm not going to go too deep into that, but the point, I, I wanted to make that point only because I think it, it's it's important, because all truth in the scripture is God's truth, and we, we want to obtain the truth of God at any cost. But moving forward, um, Verse 5, it says, Who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So the Lord satisfies us with good things. Amen? Amen. Amen. Like what? Like health. Like beautiful sunshine. Like the wonderful green grass surveying a beautiful setting right wonderful beaches beautiful aesthetics family family in christ good food Thank you. all of these things are gifts from god Amen. and they indicate they point out how good he is and what does the Bible say? He satisfies our desires with good things. And so now God satisfies our desires with him and good things. <clears throat> For the same reason that I as a father um, satisfy my son with my relationship to him, my love to him, our interaction. I make him laugh. He makes me laugh. But I also buy him good things. And he's happy. And you know what that does? That only contributes more love that he has for me. And yes, that might sound selfish to some hyper-religious people, but why else did we first come to love God? Was it because he had taken away from our lives? Or was it because he added to our lives? Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. And so God isn't into... 
God is not into the subtraction business. I've said this many times before and I'll say it again, that when we come to Christ, our lives do not get worse if we obey Him. Amen. I don't know about any other Christians out there that say their lives have become worse. My life has only become better. And it only gets better. From glory to glory. Amen. 100%. Hallelujah. But remember... It's as you keep him first, you keep his agenda first, you keep his kingdom first, you keep obeying him first, and your life does become greater in quality. Why? Because the glory of God rests upon your life. When the glory of the Lord departed from Israel, what happened? Destruction ensued. Corruption came. And the blessings of the Lord were removed. So as they continued to keep their eyes fixed on the God of Israel, their lives became better. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he satisfies our desires with good things. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Good God is good. The Bible says in the Psalms, the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. He is good. It comes from his nature. Right? It it mesmerizes, it, it uh it mind boggles me, it, it puzzles me that Christians who were once who, who had become saved, who given their lives to Christ, have some allowed for the devil to skew their vision as if obeying the devil will make their lives better see the devil is the essence of evil he is the 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 uh, the essence of all that is malicious and bad and ugly and terrible and terrorizing and to follow him is to follow down to danger. Is to follow all that is bad. Amen. And the Bible says that those who hate me, namely hate God, love death. Right? There's nothing to love about death. Our society keeps glorifying death. Promoting death. Whether it's death by abortion or death by um, coming against the family unit and turning males into so-called females and females into so-called males and just ruining production and procreation. Verse 6, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right, as Abraham said? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Hallelujah. He works righteousness and justice for all of the oppressed. In other words, he does what is right for those who are under the cruelty of those who are crushing them. This is another benefit of the Lord. You see all the evil that's come, you know, all the evil that goes on in the world. See, I, I don't, I don't understand Christians sometimes because, look, 
God doesn't wink at sin. For those who are outside of Jesus Christ, do not be mistaken. Those evil people will get justice in this life. It may not be through a court, but they're going to get it. It's coming. That's right. You know, Aleister Crawley, that wicked occultist, who is a, a, a pedo, a pedophile and, you know, just a ugly, sadistic individual. You know how he died? He got an infection in his genital, a genital area. An unknown disease. And he died. You think the devil did that? No. God did it. God did it. Why? You think the devil would want Aleister Crawley to stop doing all the wickedness he was doing? <clears throat> you know Pontius Pilate? You know it was said that uh, according to church history that he every day was disturbed in his conscience, was almost insane because he says, the blood, the blood, it won't wash off my hands. The blood won't wash off my hands. Why? He had condemned Christ, the innocent. You know, uh, uh, I believe it was Nero or another Roman uh, emperor that had lit Christians on fire. You know, he had a condition that made his insides feel like he was on fire. God will afflict those who afflict us. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> but verse 7, he made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Slow to anger, abounding in love. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? The Lord is compassionate towards you. Or as some translations reads, tender mercies. Doesn't that sound beautiful? Mercies that are tender. His heart is tender towards you in compassion and mercy. And he is gracious. What does that mean? He, is, he isn't stingy. He isn't reluctant. He gives not reluctantly, but he gives cheerfully. You know that? The Bible commands you to be a cheerful giver. So do you think God will command of you what is not true of him? Some, see, some of y'all are stingy. I'm going to just say it. It is what it is. Get up mad, get upset. Just stop backsliding and repent. <laughs> Y'all are stingy. You know why? Because the reason is because you are not fully aware of the Lord's abundance and the Lord's graciousness. And you're still trusting in your arm to do and to act and to acquire. Y'all can say amen to that. Because when people are so works motivated and works orientated, then they feel like they have to work harder to get. 
in the economy of the spirit, it's a matter of obeying and trusting and God will give. And so when you're so works-based, that's what leads people to be so stingy and to and because there's an absence of a trust in God. But when you know your trust is in God and you've obeyed and you've submit and you've trusted in his providing hand, you see time and time again that he doesn't leave his people without. And therefore it is a thing of great cheer. Because you know that it is now only an occasion for God to multiply what you have added to the life of another. And it's a cliche, but I believe it, and it's to say that we can't outgive God. For all that we have is from Him. In Him we live, move, and have our being. But nonetheless... God is compassionate and gracious. His heart is filled with the, the disposition to give, not to take. For after all, he needs nothing. Doesn't he say in the Psalms, he says, I own a cattle on a thousand hills. If I was hungry, I would not tell you. Amen. Why, why, why would God have to ask of us to receive anything? He don't need us. He don't need our money. He don't need our time. He, he don't need our worship. Amen. He commands it, but he don't need it. As if God is some, you know, weak, hippie Jesus in the clouds that is falling over backwards and, and so hurt in his heart as, as if his life is crumbling apart if he doesn't have what you give him that's not the Jesus we serve now don't be mistaken his heart is broken if we don't obey him in this, we can grieve the spirit we can grieve him but it says he's compassionate and gracious he's slow to anger See, you know, th this, is, this is a beautiful thing. You know why? Because it, it suggests that God is constant. He is constant in his character. You know, <clears throat> you know I, I don't know about y'all, but, you know, maybe you, you, were, you were raised by some parents that can easily flip. And you always had to catch them in a good mood. Because if you didn't catch them in a good mood, you know that if you ask them for something, they'll just flip on you. You, you ever been there? My dad was like that. Easily, easily angered. That is, that is a fickle character. And I'll say that is dis, disrespect to anybody's parents. I'm saying that also to how I was raised. It's fickle and it's bad and it's ugly and it's not like God. Amen. God is constant. He's slow to anger. He isn't, you know, you know, happy one moment and the next minute he just flips because he's just on this anger spree. He 
He is reliable. His character is dependable. And you know, in some in some cases, our parents were angered for unjust reasons, for trivial reasons, for reasons that didn't make sense. What? Let me say this to the parents: You want to know a, a good way you're going to lose the love of your child and the respect of your child? Keep doing stupid and irrational things to them. Just keep doing irrational things. Keep doing things that make them frustrated. To to and then when they call you on a character on your character and they said you said this, do it. Why? Don't tell them that you're going to do things that you won't do. What? Because it suggests that you're not dependable. You are fickle, and you you your word means nothing. They can't depend on you because when God says something, you can depend on it and you can take it to the bank. Amen, somebody. Because they're going to learn not to confide in you. When you say, just tell mama, just tell daddy that we're not, I'm not going to be angry, don't get angry. Do what you said you will do. And suck it up. And stop expecting uh, 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 the, the, the quality of character from your child what is expected from the adults. Taking your frustration out on them. Taking your anger out on them. Taking your uh, instability out on your children. It ain't right. And guess what? When you get old, guess who ain't going to take care of you? Them. Why? Because you don't do anything respectful to begin with. Am I saying it's right? No. You know, children should honor their parents. But nonetheless, it's a real world. And you reap what you sow. You invest in the people, you will get out of them. If you don't invest squat, you don't get squat. If you don't invest anything, why do you expect to get anything from them? It don't work that way. People think that they can live dishonorable lives even into their children and expect the children to honor them. You know, there's there's a lady uh, at, at the, the school that I work for. I'm not going to say any names, but... Um, she pulls a card on them like, I'm X amount, I'm this old, you should respect me. But she's very naggy. I'm like, yo, the, you can pull the authority card all you want, but unless you actually establish relational authority, they ain't going to do it. And if they do do it, they're going to drag their feet. It's like people today, I'm the apostle, I'm the pastor, call me this, do this. And, and they ain't doing anything. They ain't showing you that they love you. They, they don't pour into anybody. They're inconsistent. And yet you want to pull this card as if everybody should just respect you? Life don't work that way. It doesn't. You give respect and you should get it. Now, if you don't get it in return, when you do give it, then call them on their stuff. Hey, what the heck? I, I've been good to you. I've, I've done right. I've respected you. I've treated you well. Do it in return. Amen. 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 
<clears throat> so parents, you know, don't, don't be like that to your children. Be consistent. Be constant. You know, mean what you say and say what you mean. Here's a good here's a good principle. Don't do to your children what you wouldn't want God doing to you. Amen. Like, you know, my son when he tries to get my attention, you know, and I I'm tempted to say, you know, you know just blow it off. I'm like and I remi- I intensely remind myself, no. Remember that your dad never gave attention to you. So I will say, you know what, son? What was it that you want to show daddy? And become interested in his world. See, parents that can't show interest in the world of their children, ministers that can't show interest in the world of those whom they seek to serve, they're not worth following. How was your day? What are your interests? What do you love? Because when people lead, whether you're a parent, whether you're you're a a, a principal, or whether you're a, a business owner, if you can't look at people and see that there are people with unique and distinct interests, and not just another face or a number... Yeah, that's a, that's a good sign. Amen. <clears throat> um, we'll, we'll come to a close here. Um, it says, for as high as the... Uh, and it says, verse 9, He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Reminds me of Psalm uh, 30. It says, weeping may endure for a night. Joy comes in the morning. But it says, his anger lasts for a moment. But his favor for a lifetime. His his anger lasts for a moment, but his... Oh, his anger lasts for a moment, but in his favor is life. Or some translations say his favor lasts for a lifetime. Um, but it says he will not always accuse. No, he, he accused uh, Israel, his people, and he banished them. He exiled them. All right. But what did he, what happened in 70 years? He returned them with loving kindness, right? He remembered the covenant he had with Abraham. He remembered the covenant he made and he swore, Right. Remember when the anger of the Lord had kindled against the people of Israel in the wilderness, and Moses interceded for them. And what was his? What was Moses' uh, intercessory petition to the Lord? Lord, you, you know, if you if you wipe them out, Pharaoh's going to say, God can't keep his own people. And so the Lord relented and had mercy. Amen. So he will not always accuse nor will he harbor his anger forever. So there, there's a point in which he relinquishes his anger. 
And don't be mistaken because some people suggest that God doesn't get angry. He does get angry, right? We can make the Lord angry. But nonetheless, if we appeal to His mercy and humble ourselves and repent, He relents of His anger. And He turns again unto us with loving kindness. Isn't that good news? Amen. Verse 10, He does not treat us as our sins deserve. And you see this all throughout the Scriptures. Remember, I believe it was... Um, David, when he sinned, and he said this, X and Y and Z would come upon not your generation, but the following. Or remember in Cain's case, right? He says, uh, you know, don't, don't do this to me. You know, you know they're going to kill me. And then he says, I'm going to put a mark on your head lest they kill you, right? And so the Lord, even in his sentencing, has mercy in his sentencing, and the way he disciplines us. He doesn't rule with an iron fist. Looking to just crush people. And you know. He's he's a redemptive God. We'll read a couple more verses. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Amen. So we'll come to a close there. As a father has compassion on his children. You know, for some of us that might be hard to identify with. Maybe because your father was compassionless. Um, but the Lord, he's not lacking in compassion. Amen. He has compassion on us as a father has compassion on his children. And so what does a father do? He takes care of, he provides, he protects. He perseveres, he, he preserves. He teaches, he admonishes. He shows affection. You know, so, so maybe uh, some of uh, the fathers in here, I'm not accusing anybody, but maybe, just maybe, you need to show more affection. You don't show that enough. I know it's especially the case for some of us who, you know, who are Hispanics. A lot of our fathers didn't show much affection, but showed it by buying us things. They worked hard, so they'll buy us something. But, you know, no, that that got to go too. I'm not saying don't buy things for your children, but you also got to tell them, I love you. You got to praise them. You've done a really good job here and mean it from your heart. Amen? Because, you know, people don't need to just be told what they can't do. They need to be told what they can do. Amen. It's easy to spew out negativity and always correct people and tell them, you ain't doing this, you ain't doing that, you ain't doing this. You, you know, uh, why, why can't you do this? Well, how, you, how about you start telling them all the good things they are doing? 
after all, you know, it, the psych psychological literature is pervaded with studies that demonstrate that people are motivated to do the right thing when there is a praise element, that a fear element to drive them to do the right thing isn't enough. People need to be told also all the good that they have done and the good that will come as a result of them doing right. Even Jesus, when he, he had an indictment against his people, he didn't just tell them all that they didn't do. He says, I commend you because you are doing this right. You're doing this right and you're doing that right. However, this one thing I do have against you. So when you do administer corrections to your children, can you tell them, look, son, Look, daughter, I, I'm very thankful that you've been doing this right and you, you've, been, you've been improving here. You've been doing this, but look, I really need you to stop doing this over here. I feel that the driving instructor. See, um, a lot of times what that is is power tripping. It's easy for people to power trip. Don't tell me what, don't you. That's just insecurity talking. Hurt pride. Amen. Let, let me say this last thing and we'll close. And I feel like the Lord is really leading me to keep mentioning parenting. And <clears throat> when your children tell you you've done something wrong. And they don't say it disrespectfully. Maybe they say, Mommy, you said, Daddy, you said what you said. Do you get angry? And again, they don't say it disrespectfully. Do you get mad? I hope not. It's not right. It's not good. It's not healthy. And if I can let you in on a little secret, it doesn't make them love you more. And guess what? Guess what when she starts to like a boy? Or maybe your, your son becomes interested in girls. Or they're not going to confide in you. You know why? Because you're not trustworthy. They can't tell you anything. And obviously... There's always going to be the rebellious ones that everything you've done right, they're still going to go sideways. But all things being equal, you will earn their trust. And sorry, if you're in a position of power, you still got to earn people's trust. Amen. Relationships only grow at the speed of trust. You want a relationship to go far? Build that trust. Maintain that trust. Sacrifice for that trust. And learn to pe put people above you, even if you are in power. People do not respect leaders that can't put the people first. And when I say people first, that doesn't mean at the expense of not doing what God wants you to do. It's on the assumption that you're doing that what God wants you to do for the benefit and the well-being of people showing a genuine interest. That goes for parents, businesses, you know, um, you know, CEOs, all that stuff. 
Okay, so in any form of leadership capacity. And if you're not in a leadership capacity, just take note. Or it may be, you know, you helping to lead to some degree your younger brother, your younger sister. You want to know the true test of your character? Be given a little bit of power and see how you treat people. And we'll see how holy you really are. As they say, you know, absolute, you know, power corrupts absolutely. Not always, but it's just a general statement that tends to be the case more often than it is not. 